On this show, we cover the biggest news stories, give our fact-based opinions, and we also interview many great people from all over the Fruited Plains. These are the stories and experiences that make up the fabric of this great country. This isn't just any show. This is the Matt and Chan Show. All right, guys, welcome back to the Matt and Chan Show. We have the great Kurt Schilling. Welcome, Kurt. How you doing? Doing great. I'm so thankful for you coming on. I saw you at the Turning Point uh, Chapter Leadership Summit. It was great. You gave a great speech. Um, you talked Thank about you. the current state of the country, where we're at, um, the history of the Democrat Party, and kind of where, why we're here now. So, uh, yeah, for the people that maybe don't know that you're a three-time world champion, that you are a 2001 MVP, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you fell in love with baseball, a little background about yourself. Uh, born and raised around the game uh, as a fan. I, my, this, the family story is that the day I came home from uh, on my birth, my dad had a ball and a glove in my crib, and it just kind of grew from there. So I spent my life for 22 years playing professional baseball, retired about 12 years ago, uh, opened a, a software development studio called 38 Studios for about five and a half years. And right now, uh, well, not just right now, but like I'm retired, like literally retired, which is pretty awesome because like awesome. today is Friday which is just like Monday was which is just like Saturday was so <laughs> life is good man awesome awesome that's good to hear yeah so um yeah so just uh so now that you're retired what is something that you do mostly in your free time I know you're a turning point ambassador but what are, what are you doing nowadays I'm a gamer I'm uh, I'm I'm back into EverQuest Classic the original uh hooked I'm uh, also in a WoW rating guild uh, with my oldest son, mm. so um, uh, AQ just opened this week, so it's a big uh, week of rating and wow, classic. Um, but I'm a gamer. Uh, I, I have animals. I have a small farm. We're getting ready to pick up and move out of Massachusetts and uh, head down to Tennessee. So, uh, but I'm I'm living the dream, baby. Yep. I know Sean here is a big gamer. I don't know if Sean wanted to ask him a few questions. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, actually, when you were playing baseball, because growing up, my three biggest things were history, uh, baseball, and politics. And so, okay. and gaming as well. But uh, I grew up playing video games. I grew up playing WoW. Uh, I now play, uh, I've moved on to playing League of Legends a lot more. And so, oh, okay. it's, yeah, it's big knowing, because like, I grew up wanting to. You actually, good? Yeah, I was good. I was good a little bit. All right. But, are you a jungler or what? I'm a top, I'm a mid, bottom. I am a jungler and support. Uh, okay. I've been playing. I I've, I got as far as gold one. So. <laughs> oh, nice. No, that's, that's good, man. I, that's real I, good, actually. No, yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not. I, I want to do better, but I don't have. I don't want to devote as much time to that as much as I feel like. <laughs> was, is that one big thing that you kind of like? Because you see a lot of people say, "Oh, video games is a waste of time." You see, like scholarly people say that, but I would think that it's not a waste of time. And you've even said it's like saved your, it's like helped your marriage out even. Yeah, yeah. No, it. it, it well, first of all, you can make seven figure salary playing video games these mm -hmm. days, so it, there, it certainly isn't a waste of time. But I look at it kind of like I look at professional athletes look at golf. I, I've played with so many guys who are like, you know, when I retire, I'm going to go on the PGA Tour. And it's like, no, no, you're not. You're really <laughs> not that good. No. And a lot of gamers, I think, you know, Twitch and, and all of the streaming services have made, I think a lot of gamers think, well, I could do that. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah, no, you can't. And and mm -hmm. so, um, but it did. It was, a, it, was a, it was a thing that kept me out of the news. I, I, you know, when we think about it, I had the ultimate 
gamer life. I was a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. So mm-hmm. I literally had to work once every five days for six months. And the other four days, I could stay up all night and play my game. So I was a hardcore MMO player. I uh, always have been, actually. And um, uh, I went back to WoW Classic this year. Uh, got a, we're in a really good guild, really good rating guild. And, uh, and I'm back into EverQuest. T1999 project. There's a bunch of hardcore EQ players who have rebooted EverQuest and uh, having an absolute blast. Yeah. Now, do you dream these days, or, or are you just no. playing uh, with friends? I haven't. I haven't really. I, I. I. I'm messing around with a bunch of different things. I would really like to get uh, like a daily stream going because I, I. I've done some Periscope. I've done some Facebook Live, and I've managed to. Excuse me. I've got a little over a quarter million followers on Twitter, um, and probably fifty thousand or something on Facebook. So I, I would like to do a daily thing. I'm working on a couple things right now. I'm working on uh, a conservative answer to Drudge, mm. um, kind of a news aggregator that actually points to stories that everybody everybody cares about. Number one, uh, and number two, that is honest uh, and and forthright. And we've lost that news and i think that there's a big demand for uh, well matt you heard me talk about it i mean the 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 battle today is for information period Mm -hmm. and and you have to be semi-intelligent and you have to care enough to to go find the truth because the media is not going to show it to us or tell us unless it aligns with a radical left socialist marxist fascist agenda that is nothing this country was founded on. So, um, yeah, I'm messing around with that and messing around with a lot of things. I, the beautiful thing is I wake up every day. I don't have to do anything. So that's, that's kind of cool. That's awesome. And so I know you ran for office. I know you prepped for Elizabeth. I didn't, I was oh, going to, I was thinking okay. about it, but I never actually took the step. Oh, okay. So are you, are you considering ever running or are you just kind of focus on the drudge alternative? You know what? Or? I was until I watched this last four years and, and the media has now taken the gloves off and, and allowed uh, politicians' families to be in play. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and kids gave up a lot for my professional baseball career and I don't, there's no need or I don't feel a need to put them through the ringer this way as well. And you know, they're, all, they're just starting their lives out. My youngest son is 18, he's a hockey player. My three older kids are all in their 20s, college or after college, and getting their lives started, and they don't need that hassle. Yeah. I know. It's If anything, Donald Trump is, has shown us is that now everything's on the table, every little thing. They, yep. Every day, you know, at the, the mass hysteria. For conservatives. For <laughs> yeah. conservatives. Yeah, and conservatives. Yeah, not, for, not for liberals, not even remotely. Yep. And I know you said it in your speech that it's just they, they run the narrative, the history of the Democrat Party. You said it all in this speech. And so I know you uh, you talked about your kids there a little bit. I know Sean had a question about one of your kids, Grant. Um, oh. um, so I don't know if you wanted to. I don't know, Sean. I was going to give you the floor. Oh now. yeah, yeah. So in second grade, uh, something I know that these two don't uh, know because I don't. I haven't shared it in a while. I was actually diagnosed in second grade with Asperger's, and I grew up basically thinking I had that. Once I once I hit sixth grade, though, they realized that I didn't have Asperger's and they misdiagnosed me. But for my whole elementary life, I thought I had that. And so I know that your son, Grant, has been yeah. uh, affected by this. And I was wondering if you had, like, w- how your personal story goes with that and if you're still, at, like, advocating for any, uh, like, thing. Oh, yeah. I know you, oh, yeah. you and your wife. Well, are... you know what? It, it, Asperger's turns out it, it's, it's truly is a gift. I mm-hmm. mean, this, 
what it's what it's done for my for Grant has been beyond anything I think as parents we could have done. He is uh, he, he's an incredibly intelligent young man. He's going to make movies someday. Um, he had a YouTube channel that he he made. He produced a an anime series. Oh, sweet. Voice, from voice acting to artwork, he hired all the talent and all this other stuff, and it had like 150,000 views, and I never knew about it. <laughs> like, I, he, just, he just did it. And so he's a self-starter. He's a passionate kid. He's very much like me. I've always believed that I'm on the spectrum to some degree um, just because of the way I am. Uh, and he and I share a lot of common traits, which uh, is not necessarily a good thing when you're talking about a father-son discussion because we're both – very big at it about things so that doesn't go well but yeah it's it's been an amazing ride and he's he's taught us for far more about acceptance and life than i think almost life itself has taught us and uh he's just he's just a phenomenal human being and i i, I truly do look at asperger's and aspies as, as really just truly gifts i mean i was in the software industry and and around the software industry for almost 20 years and the number of Aspies in that industry is, is incredible. Uh, but it makes total sense. Aspies are, they like to be alone. They like to focus on one thing. And if you can, if you think about programmers and coders, I mean, my gosh, what a perfect life that is for, for someone who likes to be alone and likes to sit down for 18 hours at a time and do something. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I look at them all as, you know, they say when you've met one person with Asperger's, you've met one person with Asperger's. And it really <laughs> is true. I mean, yeah. They're so vastly different and so incredibly talented in so many different ways that it's really, really cool. Uh, that's an awesome response. Kind of keeping on like the like personal family side. Um, we know you're, uh, or all, all of us, uh, Matt, Sean, and myself are all uh, Christians, and we know like your faith plays a role in, yep. in your book. Um, do you mind briefly sharing like your testimony yeah. and, and yeah. like the influence your faith has had on your life? Yeah. So my faith is at the foundation of everything in my life. Um, I was, I, I grew up in a, in a home. We, we all believed in God. We didn't do, we weren't a church going family. Um, and then that's my dog. So I apologize. No, all um, good. Shut up. <laughs> that's my big dog. Um, so I, but in 1997, I, um, I became a born again Christian and it wasn't, Hey guys, seriously. <laughs> um, I was driving home from the ballpark. I was having a phenomenal year in baseball. Uh, we had just had our second child. And I remember I was uh, reading a couple different books on Revelations and reading about the rapture and understanding the rapture. And, and I, as a father, I started to think, wow, you know, I, I have an enormous responsibility here. I mean, it, you know, I don't want to... When the train comes, I want to be on it, and I want my kids to be on it. And I literally pulled over to the side of the road. I had a lot of experiences in the minor leagues with Christians who, and and a lot of really cool discussions. And you know, I was always comfortable with God being this omnipresent, all-knowing thing, and me not understanding it. Like I'm cool with that. Like I, I I'm not. I don't have enough hubris to think that. Uh, I'm even close to the end. I'll be all or the smartest guy about everything. But I, I pulled over to the side of the road and I said the Lord's prayer, kind of waited for the lightning to hit or thunder to, to, to roar. And neither of those things happened, but my life changed. And mm -hmm. I've had so many experiences in my life 
that have shown me his presence and, and was uh, first and foremost, the Lord in coming down and showing me what true faith really is. And, and you know, I, I, ta- I remember after the first time I did it in game six in New York and I went to talk to the media, I was, well, as much as I can be speechless, I was, I was at a loss for words in a sense. I didn't know what, how to explain it. And, and I said, to, I opened up the, the press conference with, I just wish everybody in the world could experience what I just experienced. And I can remember all of the, most of the media members rolling their eyes like, oh God, here we go again. And I was like, yeah, you know, it was powerful and it was life changing. And, and the great thing was that a lot of my teammates got to see it and were dumbfounded by what had happened. I had a lot of conversations, follow up conversations after that about my faith and about God, which is really cool. Yeah. And that's, I think, what you're most famous for, the sock, the, the incident of the sock in game yeah. six. And I know I had somebody, everybody's like, oh, you got to ask him about the sock. Um, and I, and there is still, still some doubters out there. I want to make sure is that, that's a, I want to make sure that myth is debunked. Once the doubters all. are all Democrats and bitter Yankee fans. That's the only thing I can come up with because anybody that's played a minute of competitive sports would understand that it's, would have been physically impossible literally to fake that um <laughs> and still do what i did and understand just not not being able to understand how hard it is to compete at that level I, you know i give them uh, a pass and like i said they, the yankees are bitter because no matter how many world series they ever win they'll still be the the authors of the largest choke in professional sports so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i love it yeah we got a lot of yankee we got a lot of we got a dodger fan i'm, I'm a giants fan yeah. but looking up to your story it's just it's just the feat just thank the you underdog and, and being, i appreciate yeah, that yeah yeah the old hole and being able to win the world series it shocked a lot of people so yeah yeah yeah, I think it did in Boston too. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Boston, and it's with the Diamondbacks as well. It's like the magnificent yeah. things, the blessings and stuff that you've seen in your life. Um, so baseball, we've seen baseball. We've seen various teams. Um, the BLM Incorporated, the their their organization has come out. It's taken over sports. The NBA, NFL. What are some of your thoughts on the BLM movement um, as of late? Well, I mean. It- if you want to get simplistic, which I think you heard me talk about, life is not that complicated. My first question is, what is BLM protesting? No, police brutality. Give me something specific. Give me something specific that is true. It, there is no statistic anywhere that backs up disproportionate levels of violence from law enforcement to young black men and women. There is. It doesn't exist. It yeah. doesn't have. I'm not saying there's not racist cops, and I'm not saying that police brutality doesn't happen. But it doesn't happen in the systemic way BLM would have you believe. It doesn't happen in the things that Colin Kaepernick knelt for. Those are all lies. And and the only thing that we do is perpetuate that systemic racism, uh, you know, that broad view of the country by doing and saying these things. Every time you have a Jesse Smollett, you you know, that's every bit as damaging to race relations as a dirty cop. Because it again perpetuates the, the the message, and you know I told you if you go to a, a website called fakehatecrimes.org mm-hmm. and look at the just look at them and just look at the crimes and and you'll start to notice a very consistent pattern. It's a minority victim and a white oppressor that turns out to be a lie. And again, I'm not saying it doesn't happen because it does. We're humans. We're flawed people. It's always going to be a part of our culture, unfortunately, but we've marginalized it. We've eliminated it. They don't matter. The KKK doesn't matter. The only, the only reason 
that these radicals and, and hardcore uh, racists have a voice is because the left continues to give it to them because yeah. the left needs them to, to be more than they are to be relevant. Because, you know, the left is telling us we're going to stand in between these oppressors and the oppressed. And there really isn't a fight there. And so the minute they lose that, they've lost everything which I think they're losing anyway, because if you look at it, uh, the black vote, I think, is going to be dramatically different this election cycle for every reason that it should be. I think the number was once the once the black vote got to like 8% conservative, we'd never have another Democratic president. And I'm betting it's going to be a whole lot higher than 8% this time around. Yep. And I know you've been very outspoken about President Trump. I know Joe Biden continues with the gaffes this week. Oh. Um, and they're still the polls are still up for Biden. I know Trump's winning in a lot of the power ground states, but you know what the polls yeah. and the media you right. you know the runaround and all that. Well, you, well, you do too. Yep. You watched it. We yep. all watched it four years ago. They yep. said, remember, ninety five percent chance, and none of them were even close. Nope. And and someone like me who's never taken exactly zero minutes of college education on polling and statistics, I missed the electoral college by six votes because I knew what my eyes were telling me. I was watching 35,000 people at the Trump rally and 35 people at the Clinton rally. Yep. And I, you know, that that's and and there was a there was a somebody did a tweet poll the other day on the presidential election, and it was you know Trump or Biden, and it was 97.9 percent to 2.1 percent. It was like 12,000 votes. Wow. And yes, you can you can argue that that there might have been an influx of conservative pollers but the fact of the matter is that was open to everybody and anytime the left can jam a poll and make it look like something different they'll do it and then they're not going to be able to do it again and we're going to get trump for four more years i just hope he slows the tweeting down yep i think that's what i think most <laughs> people agree yeah. <laughs> um and so we're um with the blm i know uh my uh dad had wanted to ask you a question about just uh we saw with what happened to drew Brees. And we've seen across the people that are stand, Jonathan Isaac recently, and they come out and their teammates turn on them. Have you seen anything personal, like in your personal life, friends, teammates? Oh God, yes. So, and I know on Twitter not you go to teammates. <laughs> not teammates, no, not really. Um, we had these conversations in the clubhouse. Gabe Kapler and I couldn't be more opposite politically mm -hmm. uh, and religion. Uh, Gabe is, a, is Jewish by birth. He's not a practicing. He doesn't practice the Jewish faith. But I had some of my favorite conversations of all time with him because he was it was an intelligent, informed discussion. Even though he didn't get that Obama sucked, I mean that that was that's okay. I mean, uh, but the fact of the matter is, we're at a point in time where, unfortunately, there isn't middle ground anymore. There isn't there isn't a common ground. You know, there is no 50-50 pro-life, pro-abortion. There's no there's no common ground there. It's either you do it or you don't. And so, you know, uh, I, there, there's a there's a law that says police officers or there's a, a statistic that, that police officers will kill almost a thousand people a year, which most of them will be armed felons yeah. and, and uh, almost all of them will be or, or some sort of that. Um, and Planned Parenthood kills one to three thousand babies a day. Yep. Like you don't get to pick and choose whose lives are more important than whose others' lives. Like, you know, you can't tell me you're against the death penalty and you're donating to Planned Parenthood. That doesn't, life doesn't work that way. You don't get both. And that's what we're watching. I mean, that's what we're seeing 
we're finally seeing them just be dumb enough to expose their hypocrisy to us. And, and I guess the insulting thing, and I said this to you the other day, I'm insulted they, they think I'm as stupid as they are. I really am. No. I mean, and you guys are on the front line, and I said this, you, there's nobody more on the firing line than you guys. You're in the middle of, you're, you're in a sense, you're in the belly of the beast. You've got professors and educators who literally have, I mean, you've seen, I mean, they'll ruin your education if you come mm -hmm. out and, and, and you wear a MAGA hat to class. You, 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 you face potential campus violence for, for having a TPUSA, uh, uh, you know, event. Tabling, yeah. Um, yeah, and so, but you can't stop. You can't give up. Yeah, I know it's hard and I know it's painful, but I told you last week, any, if you're, if, if you're going to sacrifice for something, it has to be painful or it's not meaningful. Mm -hmm. yep. And that's, I mean, all you look, you just look at Christ on the cross. That's the, the ultimate, right? I mean, think about the, I mean, I've read books about crucifixion and, and the, 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 the pain involved, and I can't even fathom it, but to do that for people you didn't know. And that's pretty much what you guys are doing is taking a, in a sense, taking a beating for people you don't know. Yeah. And, and, you know, there, it, it's sad that we almost have to have a secret decoder ring club, you know, um, where it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, cause I get that all the time. Yeah. I have a thousand people talk trash to me on Twitter, but no one's ever come up to me in real life and said anything. <laughs> I mean, no, part right. of it is because I'm six, five, two, six, five, <laughs> but but no one, because that's not that they don't have the spine to do that unless they have a, a black face mask and goggles and a helmet. Uh, and then even then they're they're cowards. When you watch the, when you watch police stand up to them, what they run. Mm -hmm. They and, and I, I said this before, and I, I think it's a very powerful point. We meaning us four are still fighting for the same things they were fighting for in 1776. Amen. Mm -hmm. Very simplistic oh, yeah. stuff, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a country founded on godly and, and Christian principles. That, that's never changed. Their agenda, their battlefield, their, their movement changes every five to seven days. This week it's BLM. It, last month it was the bathroom law. Then it was Justice Kavanaugh. And you can go on and on and on. And when they're wrong... They don't admit it. They just move to another topic. Exactly. Yep. Yep. How is Jesse Smollett not in jail? Yep. And I, was, you know, and, 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 but that's what, you know, that's where we're at. And, and with, you know, one of the big things that's kind of gone under the radar with President Trump is that the volume of federal judges he's been able to appoint, that's a big deal yep. because you're seeing a lot of these appellate courts uh, rule in, in very odd fashion. And, and, you know, you heard Justice Roberts, I think he answered President Trump last week. He was pissed. He's like, you know, there are no Obama judges and there are no Trump judges. Well, if there aren't, then what is the left going berserk for? Yeah. That's exactly what they are. Yeah. And and I, one of the things, I, uh, as you mentioned, like how is Jesse Smollett not, not in uh, prison at this point? And we talk about how the left, they can lie on, on in testimonies. They can lie. We saw with everything with the Obamagate, the spying scandal. And, and I thought you, you pointed that out really good in, in your speech at the Turning Point Chapter Leadership Summit, is you said, the, the question you got to ask is why. Um, right. I thought that was excellent. You said, yeah, and it, it gives well, you the simple, answer. Well, it's simple, right? Yep. <laughs> it's, it's what I said. The left would like you to believe it's way more complicated because if you believe that, then you think, I need somebody to help me with this. But it's not. Yep. And, and you're going to find out, not just politics, but your entire life. If 
you just ask why, nine times out of ten, you already know the answer. You know, why did Hillary Clinton's staff smash their phones? No. There's no secret there. No. They did it for the reasons you and I would do it, because they didn't want anybody to see what was on them. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, you know, I get it. I don't need judiciary oversight and a committee in Congress to question 37 people to figure it out. But they think you do, right? I mean, why did the left try to destroy Justice Kavanaugh with no evidence? Zero, none, mm-hmm. ever, any, no, I, nothing. Well, because they didn't want another conservative constitution-abiding justice on the court. That's simple stuff. And they try to make you think it's way, oh, this is the adults. You guys just sit, sit by the side. We'll explain it to you when we're done. They're the most corrupt. And in many cases, the most stupid human beings I've ever heard or seen watching Jerry Nadler embarrass himself, watching the Democrats Man. in front of Attorney General Barr. That was disgusting. And it was, yeah. I, and it's one of those reasons. I, that's why I couldn't go into politics. I, they would have had to bleep me. Half my testimony would have been redacted because, <laughs> because they're just horrible people. Yeah. They're liars, they're frauds, they're phonies. And they're just like all the rest of these white liberals that are that these rich white liberals who are protesting against rich white people yep mm-hmm. like they're process they're literally protesting themselves yep. they're just not self-aware enough to know it bernie yeah. sanders <laughs> the biggest yeah. example I'm, i mean yeah. come on anytime that guy rising to you know power in this country tells you all you need to know and he's a village idiot and and the fact of the matter is, why would I want a guy as my president who gave the nomination to Hillary Clinton last election? He didn't have the guts to stand up to the Democratic Party, and he walked away from a potential – he would have he would have been overwhelmingly beat the crap out of her. Yeah. And he walked away. Well, he walked away because he, he can be bought, like all of them can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, exactly. So I'm going to kind of segue um... – Kurt, um, just uh, so in your life, who have been three influential people um, in your life? Um, my father, probably uh, next. And I'm going to put the Lord like he's he's above all this, yep, right? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. No, no, no question. But my as far as human beings go, my father, uh, I was blessed. I was raised by an incredible, incredible man who. Um, who to this day still teaches. He's been gone 30-some years, and he still teaches me day-to-day. Um, I had a pitching coach um, named Johnny Padres from a professional perspective. He played for the Dodgers. Uh, he was really, really famous in the 50s and phenomenal human being. Baseball-wise, he was probably the biggest influence. And, uh, you know, my wife, I mean, she has uh, – we are very, very different people. Um, and – that difference has allowed me to be and become a different person in many ways. Um, I, and it's really not fair to narrow it down because I've had, I've, I, you can imagine, I've had thousands of people in my life. Um, and, you know, every single one of them, excuse me, has kind of built the foundation of me. And, and some have put a lot more stones in the foundation than others, but without every one of them, I wouldn't be who I am or where I am. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a great answer. And then, uh, as of recent, is there anything? I I heard you on Charlie Kirk's show on Monday. You talked that you're a speed reader. <laughs> I heard you're a speed reader. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you've read or listened to lately that has like inspired you as of late? Uh, you know what? I'm a, I, I've been a history buff, military history buff my entire life. So uh, the last 
couple months, I've been consumed by the Battle of Waterloo. So I've, I've reached out and read, I've read a bunch of different books, uh, some phenomenal books on it. And uh, I'm also, um, I'm trying to memorize the Constitution. So I have a pocket constitution I read all the time. Uh, I don't have a great memory, but, but it's become so important in conversation nowadays. When you look at what uh, the Attorney General in New York is trying to do with the NRA, um, which is an indirect assault on the Second Amendment. Um, when you look at how the left likes to translate the First Amendment, uh, the stupidity abounds. Uh, you know, it's, it's First Amendment for me, but not for thee. Um, and when I watch, well, I, a lot of it's history. I'm, I'm doing a lot of like basic fundamental uh, U.S. history, understanding uh, the men in and around the Constitution, understanding what the Federalist Papers were and are and what they mean, you know, anytime, you know, because I watch Charlie and I watch Rob Smith and I watch Candace and I watch these, Ben Shapiro and all these other influential people and Michael Knowles. And when you go to a college campus, which I hope to be doing at some point soon, mm -hmm. you, you get, you get one opportunity well, I, a great example was the one where um, Michael Knowles was debating the professor, uh, the female professor, who he said, are you really telling me that you believe speech is violence? And she said, yes. And he said, what a sad testimony to the kids in this college and this generation that you as a professor would equate, you know, you get one opportunity to get in front of those people and I look at those audiences they, you know, there are a lot of the shout people shouting down the speakers and the naysayers and whatnot. And I told you guys this, I always rely on the fact that people aren't as dumb as they act. Right. And in my mind, if I can just make a smart person think twice about something and they do that when I'm not in the room, mm -hmm. then I've done something right. If it, yeah. Cause these kids, there's just no way you can believe anything the left is saying because it doesn't match the eye test. These aren't peaceful protests, and I can no. show you thousands of hours of video that, that would do that. No. The, the George Floyd murder, I mean, we saw, now I've seen the body cam, and it wasn't what we were told it was. And, and that's happening with everything we see on the news. And it's starting to happen on Fox, which is disappointing. But, I mean, you knew that was going to happen. The Murdoch sons are both Hollywood liberals, so they're going to go, you know, but they have Tucker to save them. Nope. And, you know, I, I, when I see Ben uh, called a, an anti-Semite, when I see, <laughs> like, um, um, Sebastian Gorka called anti-Semitic, I chuckle in the, at the ignorance yeah. needed. And it's very much the same. When I heard LeBron James talk about China, my thought was, first of all, it's depressing that someone could be that old and that stupid and that ignorant. And, and, and I, 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 I chuckle, but I, it's serious. He's yeah. got a plat. There are hundreds of millions of oppressed people living in China. Mm -hmm. And there is no more, literally no more oppressive country on the planet than China today. And I found it the height of irony that NBA players were having oppression and, and uh, free us name tags put on the back of their jerseys by slaves in China Maybe. working for Nike. <laughs> Like what? Yeah. Really? You don't see the, and that's not even ironic. That's just incredible ignorance. Mm -hmm. And, and, but like I told you, there may be, let's say 
uh, in a given month, there might be a police brutality, and then there might be 350 shootings in California, in, in Chicago. Chicago, yep. The police mm-hmm. brutality case gets 96% of the media's airtime in that 30-day span. And that Chicago thing is a statistic that only Fox will flash. Yep. And and you'll see in very few places. And, and get get back to the to the question. Why? Yep. Mm-hmm. And we it's saw Top Chaz. Chaz. Benny yep. Johnson clearly put it out there. Yep. He said, Well, look yep. at it's communism and, and, and it's supposed to be harmony and, and utopia. Yeah. That's and, what we talk about in the the twentieth century. And I think Kirk does a great job explaining all of that because it's like we continue to see it. There's this vision of utopia. And and Fox is the only well, one. Well, show really... me. Yep, show me. Keep going back. It's the same thing I see, and you guys get this on campus, and you have this response, and some of the speakers do too. Socialism to the left. But that first of all, the left is fighting for something they don't understand, yep. and they yep. don't understand the history of. And when they say you know a socialist economy is is where you know it's equality for everybody, well, it really isn't. But I need you to explain to me what that means to you. They can't explain that. And then they, then all you have to say is, okay, you tell me one example of socialism that is thriving today anywhere on the planet. Go back and look at Venezuela and Cuba in the 1960s. It looked like the Strip in Vegas. Incredibly thriving, beautiful cities. Socialism hits, and you've got Venezuelan police officers eating out of the garbage. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, there's a, there's, a, there's a boatway between Cuba and Florida, and they're all, I don't see anybody going that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just it's so simple, so simple. And they say, well, we don't want that kind of socialism. Well, there isn't another kind. Yeah. Oh, we want the like the Nordic countries. The Nordic no. countries aren't socialist. Capitalist. They're, they're, they're <laughs> capitalist business. They're a capitalist economy. And and the socialism, the scary part is it's cradle to the grave government dependence. You literally are born into a government. They don't ask. No, no wonder they're happy. They can go through life without really having to work very hard because the government's going to fund their lives as long as they sit within this queue. And by the way, there are no more wider examples of countries in the in in the known universe than the Nordic countries mm-hmm. that you so lovingly point to for socialism. Yep, and I think it's interesting as those are always the classic examples. They're like, yep, Bernie Sanders is like, we want this big thing. And and it's funny, I talk to a lot of students and people my age, and I always talk about I'm like, you know, with socialism, like your taxes are going to go through. You think you're paying a lot now? <laughs> think about what your, your tax rate, and I think the highest right now is like 56%. And people don't understand that, and you're going to get limited, no competition. There's no way you can thrive in socialist. No, in socialist. well, I mean, this entrepreneurship has built the United States of America. Yep, yep. And as an entrepreneur myself, I lost over $50 million of my own money, and my country went bankrupt. My, my company went bankrupt, but I took a shot, and I had a chance. And, you know, I, re- I regret that it failed, but I don't. I, I, re- I love the fact that I live where I can live and do this. And, and I, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this example when I was at, at the discussion, but if you haven't seen it, go back and watch an interview that Neil Cavuto did with a young lady who was the leader of the Million Student March. And he was asked, and they were talking, and she kept going on about the 1%. The 1% need to pay their fair share. The 1%, the 1%, all this other stuff. And eventually they get like three quarters of the way through the interview, and Neil says, you do know that if we tax all of the 1%, 100%, meaning if we took all of their income and all of their wealth right now, we would not have enough to pay one entitlement for six months. And she looks mm-hmm. at him and goes, I don't believe you. Yeah. Yep. They don't believe facts. I mean, that's all they have. Yep. That's all they have, right? Just yep. like when you say, 
your taxes are going to go through the roof. Their response is, I don't believe you. Yep. Or it's not going to be for me. Yep. I mean, just and, and, and it's a simple question. Do you want more of your income going to a government that has proven to you they don't know how to manage your money? Yeah. Exactly. I always, I always compare it to the DMV. That's government. You go to the DMV and people are like, oh, the DMV just takes, I'm like, imagine if that was the line for the hospital. Like that's, that's what right. socialized medicine looks like. And people, that's it, Canadian healthcare. There you yep. go. And people go, okay. And yeah. people don't realize the competition in, in the healthcare system is that gives you the ability to go into hospital and get a surgery within the next week over there, three months, yep. six months, a year. You, yep. you, you, if you want competitive healthcare and competitive prices, you don't take away the state boundaries. Yep. You allow state, you allow insurance companies to compete across the board and like capitalism does in every other example, the price will go down and the consumer will benefit. We're in California. They're trying to do Medicare for all. Uh, we have Gavin Newsom, right. Maxine Waters. We have well, Nancy Pelosi. And look at, look at the exodus. <laughs> look at the exodus in yep. California. Look at what's oh, happening. Yeah. Yep. It's becoming uh, uh, full of illegal immigrants and the residents are leaving. Why would you stay? Yep. Why would you pay an in? And here, here, you know, and the argument Californians will give you, oh, we have the fifth largest economy in the world. Think about that. You have the fifth largest economy yeah. in the world, and you're almost a half a trillion dollars in debt to the federal government. Mm -hmm. yep. You have the highest taxes, the highest real estate, the highest homelessness, all of it. And people think California is San Diego, and it's not. Yep. So yeah, I'm looking to get out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're not, you're not alone. I mean, you look at... And here's the here's the stupidity of it all. People are saying, "Oh, people are going to move from California to Texas, and they're going to turn California, Texas blue." And my response is, "Are people really going?" It's it's almost like someone coming here from Venezuela and saying, "I want socialism." No, yeah. Why would you Why would you flee from a country to another country and try to make the country you fled to like the country you fled from? Mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. the height of stupid, we and that's what. <laughs> A lot of people are worried about the California transplants down into Arizona, down into Texas. Are you going to really vote for the same things you just ran from? Yep, exactly. And we have and friends. Do, we, yeah. have, we have friends in Venezuela, and they all yeah. come. Everybody comes from all over the world. We went to Harvard Model United Nations um, in February yep. before COVID. And everybody there, they were so grateful to be here. And yeah. it was it was just this this gratefulness of being in a country. It's like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. And there's a variety on the grocery stores. Like, people don't realize that. You, it's well, <laughs> it's, it's, you, I said it the other day, and you hear Ben, and you hear um, Charlie, and everybody talk. We're the most diverse, kind, loving, caring, giving, charitable, uh, friendly, open, hospitable, you name it, organization, benevolent, all of it, in the world. Mm -hmm. Hands down, not even a close second. And, and and so you say that to a liberal and they get pissed. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like like and 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 like I always prove me wrong. Yep. So wh where where aren't we? You know where we're failing? Education. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? It's because it, we let the, yep, we've let the left in and, and the, uh, uh, I can't remember his last name. There's a Russian KGB. I mentioned this the other day. Oh, There's Yuri. a Russian KGB agent named Yuri. Uh, and I, in 1974, he See. gave a, basically a lecture on yeah. what the goals were here in the country, in the United States. And it's literally America in 2020. Yep. Like yep. they nailed it. They did everything they were hoping to do. Yep. The Russians didn't have to interfere in the last election. We let that. We interfered for them. Yep. Whether they did or not, everything that they wanted from that campaign happened. They've got div divisiveness. They've got chaos, and you know, and the UN is telling us 
to stand down in Portland? Are you kidding me? And Antifa? And they recognize Antifa to restrict yeah, free speech? Yeah. And, yeah. And, <laughs> That's... and it's pretty pretty ironic. Here, here's another one. You saw, I'm sure you saw Ted Cruz the other day in uh, the, the, the complete crap show from Hawaii, Ms. Hirono, um, talking in, in, and he asked her to denounce Antifa. She wouldn't. She didn't. They wouldn't. No Democrats would. Mm-hmm. And I get back to this. Why? Why wouldn't you denounce an organization that you know is bound, is founded on fascist policy and is literally anti-American in every way? Because you hate Donald Trump and you hate this country. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's it's out there, and what and we that? and we've seen it with Turning Point USA. We had Dan Bishop's son Jack Bishop, and Antifa attacked him. They were doing an event tabling and some kind of like mural, and Antifa came. They spray painted him in the eye. He Trump brought him up at the Phoenix Phoenix rally, and it's just incredible. It's just it's yeah. it's it, it's just allowed to happen. So Kurt, we're gonna go into our quick fire question segment. I'm gonna have Chandler okay. kick us off. It's just gonna be some quick questions about five, and then yeah, we'll close up. All right, all right, Chandler. all right. Here we go. Um, so I, maybe you've already answered this one over the course of uh, this podcast so far, but what is your favorite hobby since leaving baseball? My favorite hobby is sleeping. Hmm. <laughs> I Perfect. love sleeping. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, the next one is from a friend of the show, uh, named Kyler. Uh, who's the hardest batter you've ever faced? Uh, left-handed it was Todd Helton and mm-hmm. right-handed it was Derek Lee. Sweet. Sweet. All right, uh, Kurt. What's your favorite music artist? And if you don't, favorite genre? Rush. Rush. Oh, I don't yes. like a lot of things. For, I don't like a lot of things from Canada, but Geddy Lee, yes. Hurt, and Alex Lifeson are three of them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Man, brother's a big fan. Yeah. He loves. He loves Rush. He's yeah. like the biggest Rush Neil fan. Neil Pert Pat. Yeah, Neil Pert passing was an unbelievable tragedy for the yeah. world. Yes, epic. All right, um, Kurt. What's something that motivates you every day? Being a little bit better. I always had a I always had a philosophy when I played. I would try to get one percent better every day, mm-hmm. and, and and during the season, whether it be a new exercise or watching different video or something, just being a little bit better at my craft. Now, I'd like to be a little smarter when I put my head on the pillow at night than I was when I woke up. Yep. And I know you talked about reading a book a night. On I was like, wow, that's impressive. I love that's some goals right there. <laughs> hey, yeah, my my wife hates it because my bed stand looks like a library. I've got like thirty five books on. And yep. I have the the red stack, and I have the stack to read. Yep. So yeah, you have to do it today too, because the oh. left will go, oh well, and then you go, truth bomb, and then well, but, <laughs> right. But it's also a way to understand the left. Yep. Reading some of the stuff they write is it's hilarious. Rules for radicals. It's so and... <laughs> bad, hilarious. Yeah, and so yep. informed. Yeah. So uh, final quick uh, fire question: You've won three World Series. You've had a very successful life career. What would you say is one of your biggest achievements ever? Uh, winning the Roberto Clemente Award uh, in 2001. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad's favorite player was Roberto Clemente. Uh, irony and, and a weird story. I've attended one game in my life, one baseball game in my life as a fan. And it was the final game of the 1972 season when Roberto Clemente got his 3,000th hit. Yep. Two weeks later, he died in a plane crash yeah. and uh, t- flying eight to Nicaragua. And it was the first time I ever saw my dad cry. So Clemente was always an idol of mine. And the award represents everything I was outside of the uniform. Wow. And mm-hmm. to get that award uh, was one of the two or three seminal moments of my life. Yeah, absolutely. 
Awesome. Awesome. So, Kurt, to close out the show, I know you said you kind of touched on it in the beginning of the show. Um, if you wanted to promote anything or you just had any closing nope. remarks, nothing else? I, I, I just want you guys to know, like I said, um, it's not lip service, and I'm not kidding, and I'm not saying this just to say it. Um, I'm proud. Of, I couldn't be more proud of you guys for the stand you're taking. Uh, I pray for you because I know it's not it's not easy and it's not going to get easier, guys. He's going to win in November and it's going to get harder. It's going to get harder. But I believe when he wins in November and he has four years to be the president of the United States without worrying about reelection, that this country will get turned on its head in a good way. I think all of the stuff we're hearing about the human trafficking and the, the pedophilia stuff, I think that's all going to come out. But it's not going to get easier for you guys. It's going to get harder and harder and harder. And that just means you get, your backbone's got to get stiffer and stiffer and stiffer. And I'm here. I, you know TPUSA is behind everything you mm. do. We're here for you 24-7. I, I can't wait to go to campuses and talk. And I hope to get to see you guys out there. But just know yep. that there are tens of, mil and tens of millions of people like lined up behind you and proud as hell of what you're doing and, and want you to keep going. Yep, and I want to do this right now before anybody else, but you are invited if you want Fresno Pacific. We're in the Central Valley here in California, and oh yeah, we just started yeah. this chapter <laughs> this this year, and uh, yeah, we've got incredible backlash for this show already as it yeah. is. Of course you did. Of course you did. They were like, "How can you not support BLM?" And we got put up a right. police flag on Twitter, and and it's been it's been a journey, but also it's very and liberating. Give, <laughs> yeah. Let me give you one more response. Anytime anybody asks you about BLM, the response needs to be. When didn't Black Lives Matter to you? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a great response. Yeah. 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 So, love it. So. Uh, I look forward to it, guys. Awesome. I want to I speak somewhere where they protest me. That's what I want. I, well, I want that could to be get us. enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've almost been punched for it before. <laughs> this was a pleasure, guys. Seriously. Thank you. Keep it up. Awesome. Thanks, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Hopefully to All talk right, soon. All right. Thanks. Have thank a great you. Day. All right, you. Take too. care, guys. All right. You thanks, too. Kurt. Wow, the great Kurt Schilling. Incredible interview. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it at home. Just a quick reminder to go look us up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Hit that purple subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Hit that beautiful green subscribe button on Spotify. We appreciate all the support. Make sure to also check us out on YouTube. We don't have all our content on there, but on the, on the podcast front, we got over 30 episodes now, everybody. So we appreciate all the support. And until next time, this is the Matt and Chan Show.